the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. We analyze evangelical media, mostly from the 80s and 90s. This season is the seventh season, and it's called I Went to the Movies Without You. My life be like, do you remember that song? Oh, I mean, yes, but why are you singing that? Because it was in this movie. Oh! So, Snap, my life be like, ooh, uh. <laughs> I wonder how expensive that is. I think not very expensive. You, I would think moderately expensive. I don't know. My guess is like, this was a Christian movie, so they're like, we got grits, we got P.O.D. No. From the Satellite album from 2001. Really? P.O.D.? Yeah. Payment on death. Yeah, payable, payable on death. on death. That's basically what we named our son after. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. I think they meant it in a penal substitutionary. I know. We named way, our son Ransom after the Ransom Atonement theory, which we've deconstructed a lot. I still like that atonement theory. Yeah, I think it fits. Um, we are talking today about well, hello, a movie. Everyone. <laughs> I was about to introduce the movie, but I need to introduce the series first. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, we've been going to the movies without each other. Yep. This time I went with my friend Zach. Yeah. No, I got you free tickets yes. to this Christian movie that was coming to the theaters that I had zero interest in watching. So I, but it was like you had to buy two or you had to get two to get them free. So here's the deal. What does that mean? Like this was like, this is being shared everywhere. Like get free tickets to this Christian movie. Uh huh. How does that affect the box office? Or does it affect like the theater numbers? I'm well, just confused. I mean, here's the thing is it was probably like a third full. Okay. So, and it was like the only, I think the only showing in Portland. Oh, wow. So. Okay. So tell the folks what the Christian movie you went and saw. It's called American Underdog. Yeah. I cannot remember it because that's the most bland name. Now. It's both bland and tells you everything you need to know. So yeah, American Underdog. I mean, when you hear that title, what genre of movie do you think this is about? I don't know. It could be like, yeah, it could be the name of like a rap album or something. Mm But I I mean, this is just the punchline. The movie is called American Underdog and it's about a white man. (laughs) Yes. Right? Uh A middle-aged white man being good at football because of God. Right. That's what I got from the preview. Well, I mean, yeah, the IndieWire review of it I thought was great. It introduced, basically, they they summarized it this way. The Christian duo behind the movie, I Still Believe, return with the incredible, which is Jeremy Camp's. Did you see that movie? No. Okay. But Jeremy Camp's story of how his, I think his wife died. Oh, no. Let's not go into that. The Christian duo behind I Still Believe returned with an incredible story of a large and handsome man who was good at football. What? <laughs> that was how they oh, described okay. it. Yes. In like a tongue-in-cheek yeah, way. That's what I said. Yeah, right. A large and handsome movie star becomes good at football because of God. I mean, so the star of this movie uh-huh. is Zachary Levi. That's what I got from the previews. Yes. And uh-huh. who, if you're like, who's Zachary Levi? Pause just a minute. This is the only introduction to Zachary Levi you need. All those days chasing down a daydream. All those years living in a blue. 
Wait, he oh, was Flynn Rider? Yes. No. Did he sing? Yes, he did. This is him singing. You, you guys, Zachary Levi is kind of amazing, and now I'm just so confused. I know. Is he, tur- he seem- is he turning into like a Christian movie star? It's one of those things. Like, I like him. I liked him in Shazam. I liked Oh, he's amazing. Him. In, in, in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Uh-huh, right. He's very attractive. And I don't I don't find very many people attractive. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's true. That is true. I'm just true. saying he has charisma. Right, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And now he's like... But, the, but there's other actors in this movie that I wouldn't say are... Christian actors. Right, yeah. Oscar award winner Anna Paquin shows right. up with a terrible haircut. Mm-hmm. And Dennis you, Quaid. Well, okay. <laughs> with Anna Paquin, right, she won an Oscar when she was like 13. Oh, you know, really? Like, yeah, it's a big deal. And is her hair really that bad throughout the movie? It is so bad. I mean, someone was saying online, like, she's clearly wearing a wig. Okay. Various bad wigs. Various bad wigs. It is so bad. Like, and also her makeup is really bad. Is it? I can't is tell. This 80s? Is this set in the eighties? Nineties. Oh, I did okay. not know that he like won the Super Bowl in like two thousand. This guy. Yeah, this Kurt guy Warner. Which we have not won the Super Bowl. By the way, we have not <laughs> mentioned the name of Kurt Warner yet. <laughs> this movie is about Kurt Warner and foot. Football, American football. No, football. Right. That we know nothing about. And so when you say he won the Super Bowl, I'm like, okay, right. what does that mean? And how yeah. can one man win the Super Bowl? I guess God. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's all it takes. <laughs> but yeah, it's really hard to tell. Like, she, you see her first in a square dancing bar. Anna. Anna. Paquin. Whatever. I always want to call her like Paquin Phoenix, but no. <laughs> just associating her with. Um, anyway, so you see her in a bar, you know, wearing denim, terrible haircut, and this like pasty makeup. So it's like, is the makeup of this Christian movie company really bad? The makeup, uh-huh. or is it supposed to be intentionally bad? I mean, on that note, mm-hmm. Levi Zachary is 41 years. Levi. No, it's... Oh, okay. You're right. (laughs) Zachary (laughs) Levi. (laughs) I mean, the man chose to have two first names. Yeah, right. As one of them being a last name. Mm -hmm. Both biblical. So I feel like that makes it even harder for me to like... Is he a Christian? I'm going to Google what you do. No, I mean, I sent you an email. No, you did not. When? uh, Recently, it says don't... Oh, did I send it to you? No, you didn't. Okay. So... Well, you sent me an email that says, don't open this yet. Oh, yes, I did. You, so can I open op- it now? Yeah, and No, in a minute. <laughs> so he uh, he is a Christian. You're not going to like him after we talk about him today, I don't no. think. I know. Should we just stop here? But here's the thing. He's 41 years old. Okay. This is on the makeup piece, okay. right? Okay. He plays a freshman in college, or maybe like a sophomore or senior in college, Right, but they don't like de-age him at all. Like, well, they don't have the budget for that. Right, exactly. So you're like, you know, you have like the Chris, coach. This is called being an actor. <laughs> the football coach. I mean, I mean, you're jumping ahead of us, but you know that face that he makes in Shazam. What face? Like the like, you know, like right now. Just like he just looks kind of confused like all the goof, time. Like a goofy, confused. Right. That's like the only face he makes throughout this whole movie. We'll talk when about that. When he's young. 
And then when he's older, he stops making that face. Because in Shazam, he's also he's playing much younger, right? Because right, exactly. He's what, a fourteen year old boy. Yeah. So in I a think he's body. like, oh yeah, I can play a twenty one year old. I've been Shazam. Right. Yeah. I can do this. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really that part feels pretty painful to me. Like it just is not believable. Wow. But really, the let me give you a summary mm-hmm. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, he starts off. Um, it starts off with him as a college player, and he's basically like, "I never get put on the field, but I'm going to be amazing someday." Okay. And then he gets drafted to the Packers and gets cut. Green Bay Packers, which Uh is an NFL team, gets cut right away and then basically just continues to hold on to his dream. Because why would God give you a dream that he doesn't intend to fulfill? Continues to hold on to the dream. Meets Anna Paquin, who is his wife, Brenda. Um, We'll talk more about that. But like most of the movie is about their relationship. Are they committing or not? That's it? Yes. 75% of it is them. And then... Really? Yes, and then basically he like works at a grocery store because he's like, I gotta make ends meet somehow. And then he gets picked up by the Rams. And then he like the next year is the most valuable player, which I guess is number one in the Super Bowl. And he wins the Super Bowl. Do you know what position he plays in football? Yes, I what do. Is it? Quarterback. Which is an important That's a thing, I guess. Which is an important thing. Okay, okay. here's here's like the premise, like, here's the thing that you have to believe in okay. order to make this movie mean anything spiritually, I think, okay. is that you have to believe that football has any meaning in the world. Right. Right? Like, it starts off saying... Or organized sports. Right. Yeah. The, the beginning narration says, basically, there are, like, millions of people that play sports all the time in the U.S., Five percent of those go on to college sports. One percent of those, five percent, go in and play the NFL. And one person each year is picked as the MVP. And that's where it starts, right? So that's his whole journey is to get to that most valuable player. Imagine thinking that means something. Right, exactly. And here's kind of the I cannot Well, I mean, here's sort of the tragic thing. It's like It starts to introduce, like, why, you know, create this narrative. Why is football important to him? And he says, you know, football is important to me because the only time I feel comfortable is when I have a ball in my hands. It just tells me everything's going to be okay. How many ball jokes do you want to make (laughs) during this podcast? Tell me. (laughs) So many. So many. You guys, this is something we were talking about. Crispin... Yes. Loves stupid, dirty jokes. We should make that clear. Right, You know yeah. what I mean? Right. He like, really loves them. I just love... And he can never let that little freak flag fly, because he's true. like... He's like a cool therapist on Twitter. But mm-hmm. here in this podcast, he's going to make some ball jokes, is my prediction. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if any others come up, but that's... Okay, okay. That is... And, and here's the... But here's the trick. Did tra- you and your friend giggle? Oh yeah, here's. I mean, we we did not giggle when everyone else was giggling, and we giggled what when. Did, what did other people giggle at? Oh, I'll I'll tell you about okay, that okay, part. Okay. We'll get there. Um, but the other thing he says is like football is so important to me because it was the one thing that my dad taught me before he left me and my mom. Yeah, behind 
every good football story is just trauma, 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 right. trauma. This is like I'm going to say existential trauma, childhood trauma. Then it turns into brain trauma, and there's mm-hmm. just trauma everywhere. That's true. So. I mean, we were there, and I mean, in the theater, and Zach. The last 15 minutes of the movie is a football movie. Okay. And my friend Zach, who actually gets sports, is like, "Oh yeah, that person like murdered someone," and like. I mean, it was just one person, but he was like pointing out the people from traumatic brain injury. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. not saying that is all of it, but it's a real thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, it, yeah, it's just the whole thing is like, this is really important. And this is where he, you know, like he has this dream of being the MVP of the year and he just needs to have enough faith to make that happen. Well, that's the thing, right? Single minded people. Throughout history, it's all the lens through which you view it, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not really interested in that question very much. I'm interested in, like, how faith props up these narratives of underdog achieving. Mm -hmm. That's the more troubling thing to me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think those, like, go parallel. Like, I think when I'm asking that question, like, how much does he believe in himself and, like, how much of that is a tribute, like how much of it is faith and how much of it is believing in yourself. First, it starts off with he and his friend are sitting in a dorm room and he's doing his highlight reel and his friend, who's a black cowboy. Um, From the Dallas Cowboys are like, is in, it was like, in, like takes roping cows. Yes. Like takes him to the cowboy bar, does line dancing. That's a real thing. Don't yeah, discredit right. that. I know it's, it's interesting. Black cowboys have been erased from history so mm-hmm. if they're gonna you know right. shine I mean, a spotlight it, on it that's great it's a true story so yeah. um so because i was i was like i wonder like what race is going to be like in this and that was one of the first things but his friend's like man you're crazy if you think like you can put together a highlight reel and he's like no like you know i believe in myself and from the outside you're like yeah like this is not the like this does not look like a healthy person who actually does like hasn't gotten out on the field has very little chance at getting drafted. Everyone around him is saying like you don't like you have no chance and he's like no, I'm going to get there. And he does. So I guess, you know, history sort of tells. But he goes to the bar, sees Brenda is like I need to learn how to line dance. And then line dances so that he can talk to her. She's like I won't tell you my name. And then he um finally finds out her name and she's like, but I won't give you my number. So then he talks to the bartender and asks her where she lives. Nope. And so he shows up at her house and she's like, you don't want to marry me. I'm a divorcee with two kids. Oh, that's the bad hair. That uh-huh. is divorcee hair. That is men stay away from me hair. Okay, it's all making sense now. <laughs> well, I mean, she was Miss too. Tight Jeans July. So oh, she was. In, in the bar's calendar. So, I mean, there is some sexual allure there. Ooh. And then um, she's like, next time call. So he calls her. Oh, so his toxic masculinity is rewarded. Yeah. So he calls her and she hangs up on him. Okay. So then he shows up at her house and he's like, we're going on a date. Get in the truck. No. And she's like, I told you not to come here. I told, you know, he's like, well, you said call and you hung up on me. So I just showed up. And of course she smiles and like, you know, gets in the truck. But she is an interesting woman. Okay. And she is the reason, the only person I care about in this movie. Okay. And is she the American underdog, Crispin? Maybe. So this woman in church told her 
that God has great things in store for her. Okay. So right after high school, she enlisted in the Marines because, you know, God wants you to enlist in the Marines. Um, and so, I mean, she's she's a woman that was in the Marines. In she, the 80s in, or 90s. Right, yeah. in the yeah. late 80s, okay. you know. So, um, and she, um, yeah, she does this whole thing of like pushing him away. And then he sort of continues to show up. And that basically is like the whole thing. So, you before he comes to faith, which he comes to faith through her, of course. Oh, okay. You still this see this. Jeans July. Uh huh. I mean, it's missionary Lord. dating, yep, you okay. know. I mean, so we find out uh, she joined the Marines. Her husband cheated on her when she was eight months pregnant. Um, and so then they split custody, and um, he actually, the husband, dropped their son in the bathtub and he had a severe brain injury. So he's legally blind. And so he's this kid that Kurt Warner connects with. And so like the first scene of them together is he walks into her house, right, without asking, and then lays down on the floor next to her son and her son starts singing about that song that you sing about going fishing in the dark. Oh, so okay. it's sort of cute and where endearing. Is this, where is this taking place? In her parents' house. But like what state? In Oklahoma. Oh, okay. I think. That's where it was filmed. Um, and yeah, basically it's just this whole thing of her being like, you know, I don't like her pushing him away and then him being like, no, I'm, I'm going to stick around. Um, you know, she's like, I can't trust you. But he's just like this huge doofus. And like she keeps on being like, I need to know if I can trust you. And instead of saying, like, I can trust you, he's just like, I just really believe, like, I'm going to be an MVP someday, (laughs) is that most of the movie is her being like, I don't trust you. I need to know if I can trust you or are going to stick around for my kids. And then him being like, okay, well, I'm really devoted to this dream of football. And here's where I want you to look at your uh, phone and look at the picture that I sent you. Okay. Because I think it summarizes. I'm opening the email from Crispin that I think says, this "Don't really open this yet." I think this summarizes. So I need to look. I need to click the first link. Uh huh. Yeah. Is it a picture of him looking at the Wheaties box? I don't know. Yes. This is like a summary of him in the whole movie. He's looking at the Wheaties box. Okay. Look at confusion on his face. He's stocking shelves, and he's just like, "Why won't they let me play football?" I know I can be amazing. He's looking at the Wheaties box like, I want to be on the Wheaties box. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And like, he just looks confused the whole time. And I think. He, what, I think he's supposed to be look pensive. Yeah. But he just looks like, why can't, why won't they let me play football? And um, so that's the whole thing. There's definitely, I told you, it felt like watching a movie with my parents or your parents. Okay. Right. So at one point, like they're in the garage of her parents' house, you know, and then she's like, I need to talk to you. Dad, you need to leave. And of course he's like, well, it's my garage. And then everybody laughs, right? Like, you know, grumpy old guy. Is Dennis Quaid the dad? No, just some, some nobody. Okay. Some nobody. (laughs) Some actor. Some of the dialogue definitely felt like fireproof. Okay. So, um, And she just says, like, this isn't going to work. And he's like, I promise I'll stick around. And then she kisses him. And then everybody's like, oh, it's so cute, right? Then the next scene, it's dark. And they're making out. Oh, my. 
and he's kind of pulling at her shirt and I could just feel the awkwardness of like all the, the people theater right yeah just like watching it with your parents like it's just silent like everybody's like oh no like where is this going they're not yeah. married yeah. you know oh. and um and then he says like you know is it do you like making out with someone that's gonna that's going to be a professional athlete in the what? future? Yes, that is a picture of like how he goes through the whole movie. What? Yes, and she sort of like pushes him off, like, "Oh, well, that's not very hot." And then like everybody is like, "Okay," like they stopped making out. Like we're okay now. Whoa! <laughs> so, what a roller coaster. Right. <laughs> But I am actually, like, really happy for her because she obviously has this kid with special needs. Mm -hmm. She's gone through a lot. And so thinking about that piece of, like, yeah, she does have this guy that, like, she's in a better financial situation. I I really like that. I just, we could use this as a teaching moment. I don't think people like the term special needs. I think the better term is, like... Disabilities. Oh, you could okay. say complex disabilities, but special needs doesn't really speak to like the fact that this kid probably will need accommodations mm. to make it in a world that is, no, you know, filled with ableism. Right. Um, that's just something I've been learning about. So we'll just put that right there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that because I'm sure this movie did not do a great job. <laughs> right. No. I mean, that was the thing. Was yeah, I don't like, know, was that bad to say? No, that was like a question I had. It did okay. Okay. But, yeah, the whole thing is just, like, he keeps on being, like, his family needs him to work or, like, switch careers. But he is like, no, like, this is the dream that God has given me. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because there's also this narrative around, like, winning will never, like, fill the hole in your heart. And he's like, yeah, but, like, God has given me this dream. So just all these, like, mixed messages um, but I really think that, um, uh, Zachary Levi explains it well himself. You should read this part about kind of the takeaway from the movie. Okay. It says, this is, this is in an interview. This is what Zachary Levi tells the inner, the okay. person. <clears throat> he says, I think that in that moment, there was obviously a very real spiritual shift in his own life where he let go of trying to control this outcome of being a quarterback and instead was allowing himself to kind of pour more into this real value. Then all of a sudden it starts to unlock itself. These blessings start to manifest. Their story is living proof that when we reprioritize and are genuinely, genuinely valuing what is truly valuable, then the desires of our hearts become more available to us. So that kind of just seems like some Oprah, Joel right. Osteen, uh-huh. you know. Right. Exactly. Bullshit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so basically like. So it doesn't seem very Christian. No. I mean, that's the thing. And it's like, it's like a one to 500 God to Budweiser ratio representation in the movie. I am confused. They're always drinking beer. Okay. And they're always Budweiser signs everywhere. And they're well, like. I wonder if this is like the new iteration. Right. And there's like five mentions of God. And most of the mentions of God, she does say she's like, it's not a rela- religion. It's a relationship. Yeah. And at that point, the whole theater was like. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but that was like basically it. And when he marries her, he says like, well, first of all, he says winning without you doesn't make it worth it. Like winning without you is not real winning, mm-hmm. which is what every person wants to hear. Right. Like, I can't really appreciate winning unless you're in my life. So I want to marry you. It could be kind of sweet. No, you're making it sound bad. It sounded weird. And he was like, and I want your faith. Oh. 
So that was basically it when... It sounds like he already had faith in himself and that somebody gave him a dream. Or is this not true? Yeah. Well, he was like, I want your, like, I want your faith to that next level. And it was Ew. then, it was after they got married and he took on that faith that he got the call from the Rams. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, basically that's like, he, he just keeps pushing forward and, um, and his faith basically is like him, like pointing to the sky all the time after every touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's what being a Christian is. Right. Is when you believe in God enough that you get on a football team, mm-hmm. you make sure you point to the sky. And sometimes, you know, you can like have a Bible verse too. Right. Like on your face. <laughs> Bible that's, verse on that's your what face. That's what some football players that's do. True. Well, here's and the that's thing. That's what it means to be a Christian. Here's the thing. He botched it. They didn't point this out in the movie. What? But so he gets into the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl. Uh They cut to the actual live thing of him talking, right? And they're like, you just won the Super Bowl. You've been named MVP, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you have to say? And he was like, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. He did not say Jesus' name. Okay. Who is he talking about? How will they know? If he yeah. doesn't name Jesus, it just makes me think about like people that are like, you have to tell people about Jesus. That still seems pretty Christian. I know. I feel like he covered the bases there, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Is that making, how the movie ends? I was making a stupid joke. <laughs> no, it ends with them buying a big ass house. Okay. That is the end. That's very American, American underdog. underdog of them. Right. I mean, there's something to stories about, like, people making it that we do like to watch. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously a pathology under that. And I just don't feel like going down that road today, Crispin. Well, here's the other thing that I think is really... You pointed this out when we watched the trailer. Which is when his mom tells him, nobody has it harder than you. Yeah. Right? A Here- good-looking... <laughs> White man. Right. Oh, white man. Here's the thing. Is he poor? Yeah, oh, he's okay. poor. But because uh, his dad left. Taught him football. Tom, he's no joke. Right, yeah. But here's the thing. The whole movie, I feel like I never saw him sweat. Like it's a sports movie and I feel like I never saw any sweat on his brow. I do not know what that means. Here's the other thing. That means they don't want him to look shiny. Okay, here's the other thing. The other way that the, the he buys a big house. Okay. Okay. They also um, show some of the people along the way that he that believed in him, like his college coach. Um, the guy that was stocking shelves with him, who's a black man, stocking shelves with him in the grocery store. At the end, you see him... Stocking Sports Illustrated on the shelf and smiling. So it's like he's still like working the store, right? But he's smiling about his friend, his friend Kurt. Uh huh. Which I think is like a really good question. Like, okay, so this person got millions of dollars, but obviously there's like no systemic view. Um, and really, just like if you believe in yourself, like those you blessings. Could win the lottery. Will... I think this movie is trying to say like this is a. A lottery type situation, right? Uh, not everybody can win the lottery. No, but I think it's saying that if you have that like 
0.05% of faith more than everyone else. That's the thing. I'm like, are people watching it being like, oh yeah, I just got to try harder. Or are they just like, oh, it happened for one person. That's cool. No, I think it's about trying harder, mm. not giving up on your dreams and believing. Do you like work out a lot? Do you like practice a lot? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you find a magical coach? No, oh. he didn't. He just ran through. I'm just the... trying to guess here. What happens? Right. I mean, not, it's mostly it's mostly You're not giving me much. It's mostly about Brenda, okay, his wife, and just like continually oh. pushing him. There is this whole piece where he does well, a... a pushy wife is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you there know? is this whole piece where he does arena football for a little bit. I mean that in a positive way. But I don't understand sports well enough to explain that part. But. Um, I mean, basically, he does this sort of side league where the guy's like, I'll pay you $100 for every touchdown that you make. And then he gets like three times as good at playing because that's how capitalism yes. works. Yes. Okay. That explains it then. Okay. So that basically was it. Like, this guy told him, I'll pay you $100. Yeah, that's the magical coach. Pay you $100 for every touchdown you make. Yeah. I think that this um, really really like makes me wonder i mean it is that sort of oprah bullshit mm-hmm. and it's just interesting because this was done by very evangelical people and also it fits into this like we got dennis quaid we got anna paquin we got zachary levi like and it seems geared to a sort of like trump loving audience right but it won't offend liberals exactly right Right, yeah Mm -hmm. so that's probably the sweet spot they're going for um yeah i think like the prosperity gospel stuff is just pretty you know boring but as a marriage therapist you probably (laughs) had some thoughts about their relationship i just couldn't like quite figure it out but basically like she just keeps on pushing him and um I mean, the dad, her dad at one point is like, why haven't you committed to her? Why haven't you asked her to marry him, marry her? And he's like, well, I need to prove myself first. I need to win the Super Bowl first. He doesn't say that. But like, that's kind of the thing. Like, he just is like just going through his own kind of world over here. And she's like, we and the kids need you. But she's a good wife because she it's her faith in God that really like allowed him to continue to believe that he could be MVP. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird conflicted, like, and I was thinking about that too. Like, this is like a really good question. Like, when do you pursue your dreams? And when do you say like, all right, like I need to like take care of the people around me. Yeah. And I think like, even I was just thinking about this, like about to publish a book, And, like, how do I talk about my own story and, like, getting to this point? And I just, I really don't like those narratives around, like, this is really successful. I'm really successful because God had a hand in it. Yeah. It just feels really icky and it shows up. I see this in conservative circles. I saw this in this movie. I see this in progressive circles. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, like, it's not like I don't want to acknowledge God's hand in things. But it just is so, it's so tricky and it really becomes this like either God likes you more or you had better faith. Right. So nothing new. Right. Um, but it just was, uh, yeah, just an interesting. So I when, was trying so when, to figure when people out. People say like, oh, this is an inoffensive movie. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that or no? Yes. 
But yeah, you're I just would saying, say so. You're also saying it's toxic. So how is that inoffensive? Well, I would say like, yes, the message is toxic. I think that there wasn't like those explicit things like you would see in Fireproof that like make like are really patriarchal. There is some patriarchy. Yes. Okay. So if Fireproof is like a one. Mm-hmm. This was like a four. Is. Okay. Yeah. It's like not terrible. It's very American, you know, and like. It's really just like him like pointing to the sky after he has a touchdown. Like, how is that even Christian? Well, it's funny because like this movie, you know, was set in the 90s. It also sounds like it was made in the 90s because I'm sure we would just watch tons of movies like this, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It, it, we wouldn't bat an eye. Now we're like, Bleh. Yeah. I mean, it really like it could have been a it almost it almost could have been a non-Christian movie about a Christian. You know, it could have been like a Disney. Wow. You know what I mean? Selling it to me. (laughs) In a sense, like it's just super cheesy. And obviously he had this faith, but like. More like a Hallmark version? Yeah, the the name of Jesus is never mentioned. Okay. Right? I mean. um, Not once. Right. And really, faith is. What if he had said, My Lord and Savior, God? I mean, that's the thing is like, like, wait, how do you know that Zachary Levi's a Christian? The quote you sent me did not. Right. He said that it bolstered his faith. And he said. the divine? He said. In the secret? This is what he said. What? He said, every single thing that I've acted in, Uh I've been able to see God's fingerprints all over it. And everything that I've done professionally has um, been the exact thing that I needed at that time. And so I can see that God uh, has orchestrated all of this. That's fine. I don't find that that offensive. That's just a public figure way of saying, like, there's been good and bad. And, you know, I think it's all for a reason, which I don't think is that bad of a thing to say. You had me out here thinking I was going to hate him. Well, he's nothing like Kirk Cameron. Don't scare me like that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But it's just like really, it's just like a very, I mean, it's a very Oprah-y thing. I read Oprah Magazine. That's true. I mean, I think like, yeah, I mean, this is what, this is what rich and successful people tell themselves. Right? Like there are these things around like, I did this because I worked hard. I did this because God has had a hand in it. Like, I guess you got to make sense of it in some way. Yeah, totally. Um, It was super boring. Um, What do you think is worse? I earned it or God blessed me? um, Ooh, that's a good. That's a really good question. I think, you know, I really think that we need a better... Like, how do we, how do we blame God for the good and not for the bad? That is my question. Blame. Yes, I know. <laughs> how do we thank God for the good <laughs> and not blame God for the bad? Guess what? I do it all. I blame God for everything. <laughs> everything. I mean, I guess there is that dynamic of like, I was seeing someone on Twitter quoting someone recently and I can't remember who it was. Well, great. I feel bad about that. <laughs> but basically they're saying like you can't you can't get to a point of um you know, incredulous wealth without oppressing others. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no there's no innocent incredibly wealthy person. Mm-hmm. Was what they were saying. And so I think there's that piece like I really want to thank God for the things that are good in my life. And I don't want to say 
that if someone else has bad things in their life, it's because God chose that for them. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say, like, yeah, if like if Jeff Bezos is the richest man on earth, I don't think that's because God gave that to him. I think that he took it with an iron fist on the backs of people that are suffering. Right. <laughs> so we figured it out. We figured it out. Yeah, I think it's just really helpful reminder. Like, if something good happens to you, like saying like thank you god for blessing me publicly isn't the isn't the you know evangelistic tool you think it is right exactly you know? i mean that's the and thing that's funny just makes a lot of people feel shitty right like god doesn't love them so but stop all- doing that people not like a lot of people who do that are listening to this but also i'm like why do you think thanking your lord and savior is evangelism by saying that on national yeah, tv just, again we've we've likened this stuff to you know more you know, pagan or ancient ways of being like, I must thank my deity, you know, mm-hmm. for my deity to continue blessing me right. during the next Coliseum game. Which I think sort of like fits even with this movie of like, exactly. you have these like successful people like Dennis Quaid. And if it's like, well, if Dennis Quaid will associate himself with this Christian narrative, like then that Dennis gives Quaid it more. Dennis will do anything that gives him money. Right. <laughs> I mean, do you remember like being I used like to have a crush on him many what? years ago? Did, wait, was he in uh, inner space? Oh, I was thinking of the Parent Trap and the Parent Trap. <laughs> oh my gosh! What? Well, hey, I know what to shoot for in my middle age. I'm gonna try to go for a Dennis Quaid. Please don't. Um, just be you, boo. <laughs> or I mean, you also said that you find Zachary Levi. Attractive. Yeah, this is weird. I don't find that many people attractive, and <laughs> yet here they are all showing up. You, in you should films. have seen the movie, right? You literally told me that the the guy in the um, in the C.S. Lewis movie, you wish he was more attractive because oh, we've been watching deeply unattractive. Uh, what Ralph, whatever his name let's is, let's not say his name. Let's not okay. besmirch him because okay. his face is not his fault, but his. Slightly subpar acting ability is <laughs> yes. his fault. But, He's the only Scotch person they could find. I mean, the whole thing, it reminds me of like, remember when Switchfoot was on like, was on late night TV and you're like, oh my gosh, a Christian band or POD mentioning them. Uh, in in the new Spider-Man movie, there's a youth pastor joke. And I just <laughs> right. was like, I kind of want to make an off color joke about that. Just about Christians getting aroused about <laughs> having their culture in uh-huh. a Spider-Man movie, but I'm like, I just, right. that maybe yeah. giggle. Right. But I mean, that's the thing is like, it just feels like, yeah, you have a Christian winning the Super Bowl. Like they're all, you know, you have someone successful, someone in power. Yeah. And if they're Christians, Yay. that's somehow evangelistic, which. And we're, and we're all underdogs. All American Christians are underdogs. It's just. Mm-hmm. I know. Can you think of a word like. More apt or worse title, American Underdog. Anyway, well, that's it well, for this. I'm sick of Christian movies. I know. Crispin, how many more of these are we going to do? I don't know how many more we're going to do. We do know what our season finale will be. Redeeming Love yeah, by Francine Rivers. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way. Just COVID, COVID sucks, man. Mm-hmm. COVID really sucks. And... Uh, I don't know if there's a way for us all to like watch Redeeming Love and chat about it. So we'll we'll keep thinking about that. But 
Redeeming Love is based off of like a romance novel that was very popular by Francine Rivers. It looks like it's going to be pretty sexy, which is <laughs> going to be fascinating. And that comes out, what, January 21st? So mm-hmm. that'll probably be the, the mm-hmm. you no, know, the crown jewel of this terrible season i'm tired of christian movies. i know i mean i at the end of that movie i was like i don't think i can do another one i know we so. still have a few we can talk so if if people are listening tell us what you want would want us to maybe cover there's a few documentaries um about the lady who did the way down workshop right. like a christian weight loss lady who started a cult there's also one on uh polly murray which i would be really interested in watching on netflix i think it's like a documentary mm-hmm. um so we have a few options that don't seem terrible. Just tell us what to do. And remember, maybe we, maybe I don't know, we shouldn't say it publicly. We did record an episode on Midnight Mass that will never yes. be aired to the public because I had an existential crisis and Crispin just ended up in rambled, tears, rambled on for an hour and then started crying. So we cannot <laughs> reveal that to the world, but safe to say it's a really Sounds like a really complicated, great show that y'all should watch. We yes. are we are incapable of summing it up in this format. Do you, did you like it, Christmas? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. definitely. It was lots to talk about, but uh, yeah. Not, not for not, us. Not right. for us. So thanks for listening, y'all. Um, you know, feel free to share this podcast. We just found out, right? We're in like the top 5% of all podcasts. Uh-huh, yeah, somewhere between the top 5 and top 1%. That's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Of like list, like downloads per episode. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. We really appreciate so y'all, y'all listening. Thank y'all for doing that. Also, shout out to my friend Zach, who uh-huh. did the album art, or did <laughs> album art, did the season art for Shamecore Records. And also um, went to see this movie with me. And he has two kids. Like It's a big deal to right. like, take a night oh. off to go see a movie. And he saw this movie with you. So, Zach, we you're, walked in, you're a real one. We walked in looking at all the spider the theater showing Spider-Man. And we were like, we wish we were seeing Spider-Man. <laughs> I took you to Spider-Man last night. Right. We so, remedied there we that. Go. There we go. Thanks, Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye.